the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hour 2 of Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. Great to be with you today as we are each and every day from 3 to 5. I hope that you had a great weekend. You certainly did have a great weekend if you are a San Diego State Basketball University uh, fan, or if you're just a basketball fan in general. Now, it's Greenlee to inbound. 11 to shoot. It's to Martin. Playing it out. Been the star tonight. Giving it back to Davis. With five to shoot. Taking on. And it's blocked. Pulled down by Mensa. They have the one timeout. Are they going to take it or not? They don't have the scores on the floor. It's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up. Did you watch that game? Uh, Wilbur, did you watch that game, the uh, Final Four game where San Diego State wins on a final last-second shot? I did. It was crazy. It was crazy, and I got to watch that. And I hope that you did. It was fun. Congratulations. SDSU final is tonight. But, you know, you know, as I think about that, that's a great part of our country, right, is being able to watch sports. I was watching this, Wilbert, and I thought, you know, this is why college sports are so popular. And I don't know it's because you reach a certain age and you look at them and you go, look, at it's all a bunch of kids. Right. And, uh, you know, there is something in our country when I see people who are younger, all of us see people who are younger, obviously, that I've I've gotten to this place where I just pray for them because the future is different. Right. Wouldn't you say the future is different? And I think that there is a reason. Did you know this? The the percentage of Americans who claim to have no religious affiliation at all is between 20 and 90, 29 percent now according to different surveys of that question. It used to be about 3 to 5%, depending on the survey you looked at, right? But with this ir- irreligiosity, does that have something to do with our country losing its foundation for getting along? You know, I'm watching the sports, and I'm thinking about the controversies with with trans people in sports and, and the controversies in general that I don't think we had just even a few years ago. Just There just wasn't there. And it made me thought, we're going to lose this. This feeling uh, just – and this is something that's not even important we're going to lose. There's so many things that are far more important. And I've thought, you know, what what does this have to do with our irreligiosity, with the divisions that we have in our country today, with the the things that we're seeing and we're watching uh, Donald Trump's going to go and get a rain tomorrow. And, you know, the thing is, is that unless some evidence comes out one way or the other that both sides just sort of agree is just really clear – then both sides are going to still be divided no matter what happens with all of that. And that's that's where we are, and that's that's a scary thing. And I think the irreligiosity of our country has something to do with that. With me to talk about that is 
Um, Sam Sorbo. Sam Sorbo, she and her husband, Kevin Sorbo, from the hit show Hercules a few years ago, recently released a new documentary. It's called Irreligious Nation. It's now available on Salem Now. You can go to SalemNow.com. You can find it in the series area or just search Irreligious Nation. And it's focused on rediscovering faith and exploring what faith means to a nation. Uh, Sam, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, thank you so much. This is my old stomping grounds. Oh, it is. Yes, it it would be. It would be indeed. And uh, where are you at now? We're in Florida. We we moved from California a few years back. Oh yeah. Pre COVID. Well, you and everybody yeah, else. Very, very thankful that we that we got out before the COVID hit. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yes. Uh, uh, what a great uh, commentary uh, talking about the growth of irreligion, and you know it is. It is considered a religion now. Um, yes. Uh, atheism, atheism plus agnosticism, which is basically saying that you cannot be neutral anymore. Uh, not that you ever could. There's, there is a decision that must be made. And unfortunately, we're being convinced in our schools that uh, no decision needs to be made. Actually, we're being convinced that religion is uh, ridiculous. Uh, and the, the, the reason for that is because, because our schools are ignoring the Bible. They present all religions as being equivalent, and um, basically they present them as like, well, it's a crutch for people who, you know, don't know a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, right? It's, it's for stupid people. You're being educated. <laughs> yeah. And so th- they purport to educate the children— and they ignore the Bible, which means that the Bible must be stupid. Right. So well, it's no wonder that the people who have grown up with 13-plus years of that indoctrination, K-12, think that they're smarter than the Bible. Yeah, you know, it's been going on for a while. One of my pet peeves is the, the coexist bumper sticker. Have you seen that? You know, and it's got <laughs> yes. the it's got and I know some of you listening, you probably have that, and you probably just want people to get along and not blow up buildings, but you know, it's a symbol, the coexist, the letters are a symbol of all the different religions or many of the different world religions. I don't like it at all because I think what some people think it means is we want people to get along. But when you think about it, it actually means that all religions are false because if because if they're all the same, then they all can't be true and therefore none of them are true. That's what that means. And it really bugs me. Um, yeah. yeah. Very, very well said, but it also... It, it's funny because if you look at all of them, there there are only a few that actually believe in coexisting, and many others <laughs> That's don't. Right. That's right. It's not you can't be you can't be a follower of some religions and coexist. You can't. That's right. It's yeah. not allowed. But that is that is the the overarching um, philosophy or narrative that we are being given today in our society from our education system. Uh, and just the the system in general, and you're right that this has become a religion, which I think is is something that we're seeing more. You know that the climate activist Greta Thunberg got a honorary doctor of theology. What does she have to do with theology? Nothing, right? She got an honor. They gave her a doctor of theology from uh, Helsinki University because because climate is a religion, right? Because it's a religion. It has. And I guess she has transcended all of of science and thought, and now she's a theologian. Uh, That is, it is, it is incredible. What it is, is it's a disdain for religion. Why are we teaching a disdain for, for religious faith in general, certainly Christianity, but I think it's across the board in some ways. Uh, Why are we teaching that in our schools? 
because that's how they win. What do you mean how they win? So how does that work out? Okay. So they convinced us that education was all about academics, and therefore we should take our Bibles and go home. Mm. But leave the kids. And so we did. Yeah. I don't know why. Right. Uh, but they were very they were very powerful, and they made some arguments. And the Supreme Court was ridiculous, as it often is. And um, and so we took our Bibles and we went home. And so then they trained us that uh, that religion is ridiculous. But that's how they win because their ideology is power. Yeah. And how do you get power over people? You teach them lies. You have to teach them something that fits uh, your your narrative. This is Southern California Live. My guest is Sam Sorbo, the director of a new documentary you can find on SalemNow.com. It's called Irreligious Nation. Who's the they? When you say they, you know, the they is spread out over a long period of time, right? Who's they? Well, let's call it the irreligious, shall we? Okay, the um, irreligious. Ultimately, yeah. ultimately it's, it's the atheists who believe themselves to be God. Okay. Right, you have and to. And then it's all if of their acolytes. Yeah, that 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 Lenin and Stalin, I believe, I, I believe, if Lenin coined the term "useful idiots," so it's right. them and their useful idiots. And there are a lot of useful idiots. Yeah, there it's a shame that he came up with that because it's a great system. term. But yeah, they, and they work inside the system, and they believe they believe that they're doing uh, things for good. The, the climate the climate activists believe that they're, you know, performing for the good. But they don't do the research behind the the um, behind their efforts, and so when they when they are saying, "Hey, we got to get rid of coal," they don't understand that they are consigning the world's poorest people to no heat. Right. There are so there are so many different aspects to that. Now, let me ask you about uh, yourself, and you know something about this this documentary that I enjoyed is it's very personal to you and your family. It uh, it travels along with your trip to Israel. And kind of goes back and forth asking the question about how irreligiosity is affecting our country and the foundation of who we are. Um, Sam, what is your your background? What led you to this, um, to to even make films of this sort? Oh, that's okay. Um, well, I was raising three children who I had pulled out of public school because um, I felt like the public school wasn't doing a good job of education. I'm an academic. I believed in academics. Um, uh, just like I was taught to believe. And I thought that that's what education should be. And so I started to educate, to school my children at home academically. Yeah. Um, and then as, t- as time grew on, I grew closer with my kids and I realized that, um, you know, we, we shouldn't be squandering the gifts that we received from God uh, by putting them in school. And I became a little bit more fervent in my faith in that way. I think that God um, often gives us our children to bring us closer to him, frankly. Yeah. Um, and so I grew, I grew in my faith. And then, you know, it, it dawned on me that, um, my goodness, my children's faith as children was being challenged eight ways to Sunday every single day. Hmm. And it occurred to me, what, I wonder what it would look like if an atheist's faith, and that's, that's quite a faith to have, an atheist's faith was challenged. And I thought, my goodness, that's a movie that I would see if somebody, somebody made a movie like that. And then I thought, oh, maybe I'll write that movie. And I did. And um, within two weeks of deciding to write it, it was funded, which never, ever happened. Wow. The money never chases the movie. Right. Uh, Sean Hannity funded it. It's called Let There Be Light. And it's a, it's a drama. It's a film about the world's greatest atheist has a, basically has a come to Jesus moment mm. and has to, has to somehow um, 
figure figure that out. And uh, it was it was very well received in theaters. And so it's been a little bit of a of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for a scene in my life now. Yeah. So we decided we wanted to go to Israel and take a take a tour uh, a tour group there. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could film it so that other people could also experience what we experienced in Israel, not knowing really what lay in store, but just having this idea. And I, um, Joe Kakati, who produced it, came on board and said, we want to come. We want to bring our family. We, we don't know where we are with our faith. You know, we grew up with faith, but we haven't really given faith to our kids much. And we've grown distant. The family has grown distant. Maybe this will be an opportunity for our family to come together a little bit more. I think they were tremendously blessed on the trip to Israel yeah. and um, grew closer as a family, which I think is really what I, I think that, well, let's face it, that is God's plan. Right. But we've allowed our school system to virtually destroy the family, to, to steal the family, right? They separate the child from the parent, the parent from the child. They form a wedge between the child and the parent, actually, and further separate them. We see that we see that now. I just tweeted today about Pennsylvania schools are, are implementing a policy that disallows parental engagement in their child's transgender journey plan, whatever. Yes, we have it those bills uh, going through our uh, through Sacramento right now. And it's very yes. it's very anti-parent. And you know, we are we're yes. having this conversation at multiple levels now about who who should be raising the kids, the parents or the state. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I'm I'm urging parents, please do not consign your children into those institutions. Right. Don't stop. And and the problem is that we've been so indoctrinated because we all went through it, right? We've yeah. all been school injured. But we so this is a new thread that I've been working on. So we tend to personalize the failures. So we we feel like we're the inadequate ones where we fail. But where we succeed, we credit the institution. So we, we think somehow that our success is because of where we went to school or how we were educated in that fashion. But if you ask people if they do what they went to school for, most people say no. 90% right. of what I do, I didn't actually learn in school. But somehow, because of the indoctrination, because of that, those 13-plus years inside the institution. It's like um, there's actually a phenomenon, a psychological phenomenon. The more you pay for something, the, the more likely you will be satisfied with it. Yeah, and, you know, there's something about that that I think um, I read that people change their careers four times before they're even 30, complete different career changes. Right. Right. And uh, we're seeing right. that now, especially post-COVID, uh, people who are at every age are changing their careers and, so let me ask you something. Yeah. Why are we sending them into schools that are clearly not preparing them for the career that they really desire? That's right, because we aren't we aren't doing education in a way that's really about education. It's more about graduation and prestige <laughs> and indoctrination. So right? right. I say that so here all good. the time here is our schools are are so much about graduation, not education. So in right. order in order to get better graduation rates, we just lower all the uh the needed test scores or classes, and then lo and behold, more people graduate. It's just that nobody can yeah. read. Oregon's going to stop teaching reading because apparently uh, uh, children of color can't keep up. Right. And so Oregon's gone full racist. Yeah. 
And so they it's already implemented a law that said that you didn't have to know how to read or do math to graduate high school. I don't know how much lower they can go. Yeah, it's and a still purport to educate. It's a wild thing. So one of the points in in the film, and if you just joined us, I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. My guest is Sam Sorbo. She's the director, and she stars. Actually, I guess you can star in a documentary. You're part of it. Your husband uh, <laughs> narrates it, um, and it's called Irreligious Nation. Part of the the thesis of this documentary is that the reason for all this decay, it coincides with us beginning to disdain religion years ago and becoming irreligious. And this is the result, is that when there's no God, then there's no foundation for what is right and wrong. Amen. That's true. Yeah. By the way, my husband narrates it. His voice is much lower than mine. Did, did but, I say that? Uh, I said I, I thought I said that he narrated it, but uh, maybe I oh, didn't. Oh, did you? I missed, I missed it. Yeah, yeah, no, you, Kevin Sorbo narrates I it. I think but, what I yeah. said is that you're the star. He only narrates it. Oh, there you go. I missed it. Sorry about <laughs> Sorry, that. That's okay. You know, you but can yeah, tell him that you know, I said we, we, we need to start asking these questions. Yeah. If, you were, if you were raised in Christi- in the Christian faith, but you do not go to church because you never really bought in. I encourage you, watch the movie yeah, and maybe crack a Bible and try a church nearby. Look for a church with strong leadership. We have too many churches that, that lack leadership. And, and the know- reason that they lack leadership goes back to the schools, because in schools we're taught to follow, we're not taught to lead. It's the same thing. We're it affects... You're right. The education system affects everything, even in our churches, just in, in ways we oh, don't even yeah. think about, right? Um, yeah. The, you know, something I liked about your movie, you mentioned how you're an academic, right? That And the movie is challenging people intellectually. It's something that you go to Israel, you see the sites where these events happened, you know, and you, you narrate those. And I think that that kind of uh, reality is something that's needed today where we live in a culture that's saying that your truth can be your truth, but there's nothing concrete about that. Uh, your film gives us something to, uh, to, that's solid. That's, that's certainly what I'm hoping. So I'm glad that you had that sort of takeaway from it. I, I want, um, I want people to get back to thinking, you know, there are three foundational things that we are taught for 13 years in school. And those three things are don't ask, don't try, and don't think. And so we've become a largely thoughtless society. You know, we're, we, we, we implemented COVID restrictions and everybody just went and turned on their TVs. People didn't go, uh, wow, I've got all this free time now. Maybe I'll study, um, you know, the, the great French philosophers or, mm. uh, you know, Shakespeare. Well, now we have uh, artificial we intelligence, so we don't have to think at all. Uh, yeah. The, the computer will write. Intelligence. Let's face it, folks. It's a misnomer. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Inte- it's not intelligent. It, it's it's not. what passes for intelligence these days because we're so uneducated. Yeah. Hey, you know. So what do we do? So you know. I mean, this this whole discussion, I think, is is so real, and everybody feels this, right? What would you say is the the step for us? How do we turn this around? I would say get your kids out of school. Mm-hmm. And start home educating and educate and uh, uh, and, and educate them and, and learn what education is. It's doctrine, right? Uh, and and I can show you how I've I've written um, a couple of books on this. Uh, my recent my most recent one is the playbook for home learning. It's available at samsorbo.com. It comes with fifteen videos, and I walk you through it. It's a it's interactive basically. 
uh, because you won't learn it unless you unless you start writing it, unless you really think about it. So I challenge you, you know, what what were the greatest parts of your education? Where did your education fail you? And, you know, we, we tend to, like I said, we tend to um, magnify the, the successes and personalize um, the the failures. So you'll, you'll have somebody who says, well, I can't do math. I, I don't have a math brain. Like, it's my right. personal fault that I can't do math. But I, I'm a good writer because I had a great English teacher in 11th grade. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. that, that's just wrong. You had a bad math teacher where you learned that um, math was too hard for you, which is a terrible lesson to teach a child. Right. Because it's a lie. It is. Um, right? Yeah. And, and you, maybe you did have a good, a good English teacher. But if you had had a bad ma- an English teacher, then you would have been inept at everything. And you would have thought that you're just the stupid kid. And, and that's also a lie, right? And so many so kids go through so many... that thought, right? So right. we just have a minute left here. You would say that the best thing is to really be educated, to educate yourself, pull your kids out. I think the parents have to educate themselves too, right? Is Education doesn't mean I have to go pay for community college or something. It's, it's... No, no, we just have to relearn what we're, what we're aiming for. We have to aim differently yeah. and educate our children differently. It's very simple. It's actually better than you ever imagined, easier than you ever imagined, because you've been trained to think that it's hard. It's not. It's easier than you ever imagined, and it's more rewarding than you ever dared to dream, because you've been taught that it's a burden and it's a terrible thing, and don't try this at home, ladies and gentlemen. Turn your children over to the state, and the state will take care of it and will relieve you of this terrible burden, but that's a lie. Yeah, there's a lot of resources. What happens is they steal your children away from you, and then you wonder, you're you're standing there at age 65, and your kids want nothing to do with you, and you're going, where did I go wrong? I gave them everything. I earned money, and I I gave them all the money they needed, and they hate me. A lot of people are going through that for sure. I know a lot of our our listeners are. Well, hey, I want to thank you for being on Southern California Live today. My guest is Sam Sorbo, and she is the director of Irreligious Nation. You can find it now at SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com, and just go on there. It's on the series, on the front page of the series area, or just search for Irreligious Nation, and you can find it there. Sam, thanks for being with us, and thank you for your film. I think people will enjoy it. Um, and they'll be inspired by it to learn and to deepen their faith and their education. And I think it's, it is how we turn things around. I certainly hope so, and thank you very much for right. having me. God thanks, bless. Thanks for being with us. God bless. Sam Sorbo, you can also learn more about her at samsorbo.com. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, we'll take your calls as soon as the Monday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. And I see that we are losing forgiveness in the nation to an astonishing degree. And so the moment that you do anything wrong, you're out. And the problem with that is there's, there's no gratification. There's no resolution if there's no forgiveness. And if that's the attitude, then it's all downhill. That was Sam Sorbo. We had her on in just right before the break. And, you know, in the the film, Irreligious Nation, one of the solutions that's presented there is the idea that we need to be a, a country that can forgive. And that's something that we have lost a little bit. You know, it's cited. It's an interesting thing, being that it's Passion Week, Holy Week, that... Uh, 
when whenever Jesus was in the garden and he's betrayed by Judas, you know, what's interesting there is he calls Judas friend. Have you ever caught that? Matthew 26, and Jesus said to Judas, friend, where have you come from? He calls him friend. Now, obviously, he's not really his friend, right? This is the kind of thing where you bring your kids home and you say that person's not your friend and you try to teach what that means. And yet here Jesus tells the friend who, who betrays him to death, the person who betrays him to death, friend, you know, obviously he's not naive to what is going on and what's happened here. Is that something that we've lost in our culture? Are we just so divided that we're not even friends anymore? I think this happens. This is, and I think that forgiveness is one of the ways back. What do you think? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. If you want to join that the conversation, 888-528-2557. JT in Hermosa Beach, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, Scott. Hi. Hi, JT. Uh, basically, I, I feel that this society has basically thumbed its nose and made an obscene gesture to the World War II Depression-era generation. I, 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 there was a rebellious streak that came about in the boomers and pre-boomers like Jane Fonda, who still rebelling was her comments that she made recently. And she's talking about forgiveness, and then she there were some other things she said. I watched some other interviews with her, and I thought she had changed, which is sad. She's a pre-boomer, you know, born in 1937. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of... So what has happened over the years, basically, our society wasn't perfect, but we did make social progress. We passed laws, and we all... But we had standards. We used to have artists like Elvis Presley. Elvis had his flaws, but he was a believer. And he, when he would go in the studio, I'm listening to him on YouTube, and he was calm, he was patient. Uh, there was a professionalism among the musicians back then. When people worked in sets and movies, they, they, they had the attitude like Kevin and Sam had. You know, you didn't see them blowing up and losing their temper. You know, one such example was Angela Lansbury, who died recently, and her um, daughter got caught up in the Manson family, and she used to talk about how that led to where we are now with this distorted view of freedom, meaning you can do whatever you want, which I think is what is a terrible when you don't have any boundaries to go with it. What I'm saying is, if you, look at the, if you look at the music over the decades and all the great artists, doesn't matter if they were rock and roll, they were jazz, blues, big bands, swing the bands, um, um, uh, Scott, and you look at the, the TV shows, and like you see on all these classic TV you know, channels where they show classic shows, and you look at the films, the quality, uh, the directing, the, the, you know, all the, you know, the writing and the acting has declined. And I met a lot of the old school actors, mm-hmm. and they did not like what they saw going on. And I feel I would I would start literally crying what? when I read they died because I met them. Let me ask you well, this I'm, question: yeah, Why do you think Why do you think that happened? Because an interesting thing when we think of sort of the the decline in in media and music and other stuff. Um, you know, part of it is uh, some people blame the music. Other people will say, no, the music is just reflecting the culture. It's probably both. But there has to be a market for that decline, right? That's how the, it works, They're, that in the course of our well, history, people wanted it and they paid for it. Well, I think what happened is is that as, as, as the people that are older like that don't speak out and they're silenced, that doesn't help. And then as they die off, the ones that do... Uh, and they're not replaced by people with the same dedication to keeping uh, the quality going in all aspects and the work ethic and the professionalism and the standards. And then when you have a, in the school system, Richard Dreyfus was telling Glenn Beck this, and Richard Dreyfus, even though he's not a Christian, he's got a really good book showing, and he's really angry about this, how, how the, the, um, 
they took out civics and cursive writing and all these courses years ago that taught people not what to think but how to think. So, you, you know, when you take those things out there, you produce a mediocre society. You know, you also lose manners and common courtesy. And then there was a rebellious streak, and I'll finish up here, Scott. And this is, you know, and the hippies in the counterculture said, like, don't trust anyone over 30. So we started disrespecting older people. Historically, they had been valued, right, for their wisdom. And then we started trashing all these shows like the Donna Reed show. So, and, so how do we know. get all this back? You know, how do we turn the well, corner? Because I think, I think most people recognize that there's gonna, the foundation's there's gonna gone, but how do we turn it around? Well, maybe with the Jesus Revolution, there's going to have to be a revival in the church, and people are going to stop having to go along with what's popular and do what's right. If we, I mean, I mean there's going to have to be an attitudinal change is basically what it is. Because if we're cowards and we're gutless, then we're doomed in this society, you know. And I'm not being negative. I'm just saying it. It don't. Do you agree? Does it starts with attitude? It affects everything. Behavior, you know. And and um, you know, if this is what the kind of a society we're going to leave our kids, then they're going to be stuck with something that no other generations have ever been stuck with before, you know. Yeah. So I, it has to start with us adults. In closing, don't don't you don't you agree with that? I do agree with that, JT. Thank you for your call. You're welcome. I, I think that he's he's right that you have to start with with us. You know, and, you know, every whoever you are that's an adult, right, we think about the next generation, but what can we teach about forgiveness, right? Because, you know, whichever generation is rebelling, well, their parents somehow were unable to pass on the faith. There is, and you see that all the way through the scriptures, right? In the Old Testament, what do you see? Is you see a great uh, generation that was faithful, faithful to God and, and faithful in all those areas. But then it so often says, but the next generation did not follow in the ways of their forefathers, right? Is that this is a constant cycle of a sin-fallen world. And certainly I think we're at a time where we can say that our generation is not following in the ways of our forefathers. But we also do see times when it turns around. How do we get there? Do you think forgiveness, the ability to forgive, has something to do with that. I think that's that's some of it. In, in the in the context of forgiveness, we're talking about things like cancel culture, right? Where we can write people off because they just they disagree on one tiny thing that you know whatever our side is or our point of view is. It has gotten to be uh, crazy, and it's kind of on both sides, right? I think that um, we're we're seeing it more organizationally. Uh, with the far left, and that's why you have so much so much fear, I think, and turmoil in the area of of leftism because there is so much fear that you're going to get canceled and you're you are rejected by the group. Where in some ways, you know, there's a lot of canceling that happens on the right as well, but it's sort of it's not embedded into the the infrastructure of the education system or the political system in the same way. You know, it's you can you can recover just a little bit better, I think. Although I don't know for for how much longer that's the case. There seems to be um a division among divisions. There is a a friend of mine calls it civil war. I don't know if that's the right word, but civil war on the right and the left right now. Um where both sides they cancel each other, but they also they they cancel themselves eternal internally. Are we doing that as as Christians and as the church? What are the steps here? You know, we are about to celebrate Easter. You know, this is our for Christians, this is our Sunday, right? This is this is the big holiday. You know, in in many ways it's bigger than Christmas, right? Christmas you can't have Easter without Christmas, so I know how they go together. 
But at Christmas, you're celebrating the birth of the child who one day is going to die on Good Friday, but on Sunday will rise again and be the savior of the world. That's the real reason that Christmas is a big deal is because of what the baby is going to do 33 years later. And that's what we get to celebrate this weekend. And it's, it's hope. It's life from death. Because what are we afraid of? We're really afraid of death. Death is what scares us. And it's death. I think it's physical death. But I think it's also emotional death. And so we don't even want to be – we don't want to be physically uncomfortable. And in, in a lot of ways in the first world, we've, we've solved that, right? I mean you probably have air conditioning. You probably have at least some set where you live where your house is some kind of shelter, you know, most people. And, you know, maybe you've got a breeze blowing through your house like I, I used to have in my places I lived. All the windows are shut. You can still feel the wind blow through the house. I know some of you are in that. Um, but it's it's a lot better than any generation has ever had it as far as our personal comfort. We can, even for many of us, take the pain away from uh, from death if we're dying of some disease or different things. We have so many technological advances that have made us physically comfortable. And I think where we're moving now is comfort emotionally. Unfortunately, what that means is that no one's allowed to disagree with each other. And this is where some of the breakdown is happening, that it's not really possible to not disagree. It's not possible that everybody's going to be on the same page about every point. And if we value comfort above everything else, then you can't do the things that are uncomfortable, which is to respect another person's um, opinion, even if you disagree, even if you strongly disagree, you have to shun them. You have to block them out. You have to say they're not really whoever it is that, that they're saying they are because they don't agree with you on 100%. This is about emotional comfort, and it's it's not good. We're living at a time where, you know, and I'll tell you what, just to be you know straight about this, is the ways that generations have gotten over this kind of thing is when very, very hard times come upon us. You know, when things get really tough, that's when reality is a lot easier to grasp. That's when it is so much easier for a nation as a whole to grasp reality because you have to. Otherwise, because you've lost all the comfort that you've had, the only comfort you're going to have is reality. Jesus is reality. The resurrection is reality. He came up. The world changed when that happened. When we come back, we'll talk about that a little bit more. A couple of things on the news I want to hit before the day is out. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. This is Southern California Live. Pastor Scott Furrow with you. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. In my analysis of China, is that uh, at least their military and perhaps others have come to some sort of conclusion that war with the United States is inevitable. I don't believe war is inevitable. I don't think it's imminent. Um, but I do think that we need to be very, very pragmatic and cautious going forward. And we will reduce the likelihood of war if we remain really, really strong uh, relative to China. And China knows that we have the will to use it uh, if necessary. That was uh, General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, today talking about the seriousness of 
China and that China believes that war with the United States is inevitable. He says it's not, but we need to remain strong. Part of what he's doing is this time of year, people start arguing for their budgets, right? So he doesn't want military budget cut. But he does say something there that is, I think, true, is that you you prevent war by being strong. And that's controversial in some respects, the idea of peace through strength. Some people have not agreed with that. But You know, the point I really want to make here is that there are serious things happening in the world today that don't get a lot of press. You know, I'm wondering tomorrow. So tomorrow afternoon, morning, it'll be morning our time, about 11.15, Donald Trump will be arraigned in New York. It will be on every station. Today on every station, you know what happened? Nothing today, except Donald Trump traveled from Florida to New York. Lots of people travel from Florida to New York on a daily basis. Happens all the time. Planes go up, they go down. Some people drive. Uh, There are some people who take a boat. It takes longer, but it's not unusual for someone to travel that way. It's certainly, I understand it's unusual that a president is being arraigned. Uh, That'll happen tomorrow. But I was kind of amazed at how much time is spent today on all the news stations sort of watching the motorcade, watching the plane go up and watching the plane come down in another motorcade. And I'm not sure that I noticed anything that was really new about the story. We won't have anything new until after the indictment is unsealed, and then we'll know whether or not everything everybody's been talking about is it, or if there is something else, we'll have a better idea of all of that. And then there may not be anything to this story for for months later. But something to watch for tomorrow. I'm curious. I'm going to pay attention. I may not notice it, but I'm going to try, is that whenever this starts to come out, This is when lots of people start to dump stories that they don't really want you to read, but they have to get them out there for different reasons. So it gets buried. I think two things get buried. The stories that are for real that people would rather you not read. Like if there's an embarrassing story about yourself and you had to publish it somehow, tomorrow at 1115 Pacific is a great time to do it. Nobody in the media is even going to notice. Um, the other thing that that's why lots of news, interesting news comes out Fridays in the, the late afternoon, it's because nobody pays attention in the, uh, the weekend news. It's sort of something that people know. But the other thing that I am watching is serious stories like, like the China situation, what's happening with Russia, what is happening with new currencies that maybe you have heard about that, you know, would impact us significantly if, China and Russia and Brazil and Saudi Arabia and Iran and other countries agree on not basing their their economies on the dollar. It's a complicated subject, but it would impact us significantly. And they're making that that point. How many of us know that? How many of us know that uh, in the China situation that CNN, CNN reported today, military denied it, but CNN says that it's true that the balloon that flew over our country actually did gather sensitive military secret information. So what we're learning is that this Chinese spy balloon that hovered over sensitive U.S. military sites back in February before being shot down by the U.S. military, it was able to capture some images and collect some signals intelligence from sensitive U.S. military sites in the United States. Now, importantly, it is not clear to the U.S. government at this point whether the Chinese government was able to remotely wipe the data on that balloon before the U.S. government was able to fully analyze it. Because, of course, the FBI has been looking at this balloon for the last several months trying to figure out the extent of what it was able to collect. And we are told 
that the balloon was able to transmit these images and these signals back to China in real time. So the U.S. has some idea here of what the Chinese were able to gather about these sensitive military installations, but it is still unclear at this point whether there is information that the Chinese collected that the U.S. does not know about because of that possibility still looming out there that the Chinese government was able to essentially remotely erase the data on the balloon before the U.S. could access That's an interesting story, you know, being that uh, we were told that everything uh, was blocked. I don't know if we know all of that. I get concerned about sometimes we think that we know something that we don't really know. Do you ever have that in your life where you think you know something about a situation or something going on, but there's a, a nagging concern that you don't know everything that you should know? And, you know, that is how wars begin. That is how relationships get into conflict, where somebody is doing something that is nefarious and the other person, or or in this case country, uh, doesn't think so, but they're, they're not entirely sure. Anyway, you know, I think when, we, when we're dealing with this tomorrow, I think that there is a, a sense of everybody being in their camps, right? There'll be probably some protests on the pro-Trump side and some protests on the anti-Trump side. And depending on what station you you watch, there will be uh, people lamenting what's happening to President Trump. Other people will be celebrating what's happening to President Trump. Uh, I think there are so much bigger issues related to all of this. I think that there are so much bigger things happening in the country. Don't lose sight of those things. And in the main part, don't lose sight of your faith. And if you have somebody in your family somebody close to you who is on the other side of whatever the argument is, a political argument, do your best to love them and don't disintegrate their relationship as far as it is up to you. I know it may not be your choice, but as much as it is up to you, as much as you are able, try to maintain relationships and don't break up over political issues. Try to find ways to have a reasonable conversation. And I know that, you know, as far as it's up to you, you may not be able to. Maybe the other person's not reasonable. But but examine yourself and make sure that you're not the unreasonable one. That's sometimes hard to do, but sometimes we are the unreasonable one. And I, I'm saying this because, you know, tomorrow's going to be a a crazy day, I think, in the news and with whatever happens with Donald Trump. And that'll be the main story right and left. But there are other things going on in the world. The China situation is really a huge deal. What's happening with Russia and currencies, if you can you can read that if you want to in the papers, there's so many different things that matter. There's so many things locally. Homeless issues, we've got things to discuss this week about prisons and prison reforms happening right here. We've got corrupt politicians, San Diego, LA, even some small, small uh, cities and counties in between. You know, there is so much locally and really locally within your family your relational world. Easter week, don't let Easter week go um, because of all this stuff going on in the news and the passion that you might have one way or the other. Instead, think about how you can love one another and how, like Jesus did, you can call people friend, even if they're not really your friend, even if they are betraying you. Jesus was, you know, we are to, as we make disciples of Jesus, part of it is being a disciple of Jesus. And we reflect the light of Christ when we can do that. And all these discussions about the, the course of our nation, it's pretty sad, depressing, right? I think it, uh, it can be a real downer, except it's not when you realize that 
hey, this is why we needed a Savior in the first place, all this division. And maybe what's happening is we're going to see that. Maybe what's happening is that we're going to see so much division and so much chaos and insanity over all of this stuff that the new generation, and that's everybody listening, you're still part of a current generation. You probably have a letter after your name for whatever generation you are, but you're still living. You still play a part. You still play a role. You ever think of it that way? Sometimes in the church, you know, we say the older generation or the older church or the younger church or the church of the future. Actually, everybody who's a Christian is the church now. Everybody who is a Christian, whether you're young or old or in between, you're the church now. And the unity that we can have in the body of Christ when we do it, when we are on on mission, when we're on mission about Jesus Christ, when we realize that Sunday is not about a political movement, it's about the defeat of death, victory over death, that every human worries about, that's very contagious. It's, it's very powerful, and it has tremendous impact over the, your family, over your friends, the community that you are in, and that just expands. It can have an enormous impact over the country. Don't doubt that God could still use you and me and everybody listening to lead an incredible, incredible revival and way back to Christ. Don't doubt that. Instead, just play your role. You know, well, I think this is the end times. Very well might be. In which case, you want to tell people about Jesus and bring as many people with you to heaven. See, the mission doesn't change whether we're in the end times or whether that's not going to happen for another thousand years, Right? I think that's pretty encouraging. Can I encourage you that way? I want to invite you to do a couple of things each and every day up until uh, Easter. Uh, We are doing six steps to Easter, and tomorrow we'll have step number three. We start out on Friday, so we can have six. And the reason there's six is because Easter is six letters, and we have an acronym uh, for that, uh, Easter. And so we're going to do that again tomorrow. Uh, It's examine, admit, Easter, examine, admit, sanctify, transform, exalt, and reflect. And we'll have another pastor on tomorrow. And you can go to kkla.com and click on the Passion Week 2023 banner. It says six steps on it. Click on that. You can watch each and every one. You can send them to your friends. You can post them on your social media. And in fact, in each step, if you notice, there is um, a list of core verses. You can also put those on your social media. That's what I've been doing on mine. And uh, people have been noticing, and it's a really great way to do it. So go to kkla.com and click that banner. And if you have somebody in your life who would like a Bible, we're giving away free Bibles. You can also click on the New Believers Bible link, and that comes from Harvest Ministry. This is Southern California Live. Pastor Scott Furrow, I'll be back with you tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.